0: Everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're back again to inspire you. We want to give you more knowledge, more information, plus, plus, plus. We just want to add to your life. We want to make it better than it was before you listened to this podcast. We have an amazing guest today. Amazing guest. Her name's Nicole Bolog, and she's going to talk to us all about alchemical healing, shamanism, and, and all the different things that led her to where she's at now. It's going to be an amazing podcast, people. I'm telling you, every episode just gets better and better and better. I get better. We get better because we're learning. We're integrating new information. So, But before we dive in with the wonderful Nicole Malik, we just have to ask you to do this one thing. Okay, ready? Follow us on Instagram. At midnight underscore on underscore earth. It's, you know, they make you put the underscores in there. You you try to differentiate yourself. It's this digital world, this digital frontier. I didn't write it. It's not how I would have done it. But here we are at midnight underscore on underscore earth. Follow us on Instagram. Go to Spotify. Go to all the platforms. Any of the platforms. We're everywhere. Follow us. Tell a friend. Midnight on earth. Okay, so now, here we go. We're going to dive in with this wonderful, wonderful goddess that we have with us. Here's her incredible biography. Nicole Bollig has been teaching yoga for 17 years and practicing the healing arts and shamanism for 15 years. Initially, she apprenticed with a shaman for five years and practiced both Reiki and quantum touch, but did not find her true calling till she trained with Nikki Scully in the shamanic healing art form called alchemical healing in 2010. The power and results of this work led her to become a teacher of this modality in 2014. Nick also has a passion for plants and herbal medicine as we do here and has trained in traditional and energetic herbal medicine. She lives close to nature in a rural setting in Southern Ontario, Canada, where she grows and preserves much of her and her family's food and medicine. And that's the way to do it. We know that's just the way to go. Nick teaches yoga, meditation, alchemical healing, shamanic journeying, and shamanic mysteries, as well as various workshops that support all of these practices. Her goal and all that she offers is to empower and share tools with people so that they can do their own work and heal themselves. We're going to talk so much about this holding sacred space for the unfolding of whatever needs to arise in order for physical, spiritual, or emotional health of an individual or a group is Nick's intention. This allows for any of the tools and skills she has in her medicine bag to be available. And she is grateful to have the tools to share with people in order to manage the challenging changes and turmoil that come with the cycles of growth we experience. Hello, Nick. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. And that was an incredible
0: bio. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate you being here. People want to learn. People need more information. And you have the information that people need today.
1: Well, I have a, the information that has made me grow into who I am now. and I can share
0: that. Yes. And that's the thing. And when we're also similar as humans, there's really not much that differentiates us when it really boils down to how we live our daily lives as humans. So what you learned is something that we can learn. what What your path has led you to may influence other people's paths and might lead them to similar things. So here we are. And I'm so glad that you're here. So let's talk about what you're about. Let's talk about yoga. Do you still practice yoga?
1: Yes, I teach yoga every week.
0: Okay, so you're still teaching (laughs) yoga.
1: Yeah, it's a basis, I think, uh, along with um, it keeps me grounded. It keeps my physical body healthy and also um, any of the other spiritual work I feel or have experienced it really, You really need some body work and movement to to ground it and, and, and integrate it. So it's a key component.
0: So that's really a foundational thing. Yoga is the foundational, recharges the body, recharges the spirit, and allows you to kind of branch out and interact with these other forms of teaching. It's like a good foundation, like exactly. you were saying. But Absolutely. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your life. And clearly you're a spiritual person. You've been studying these things, and you were um, – referred to me, actually, by Shamanic Journeys in Eugene. They were a school, I believe, that was started by Nikki Scully and her friends. And they wanted me to talk to you because they felt like that your information, what you represent, is also what they represent. But I want to know, how old were you when you first started to develop a spiritual perspective? Like, When did you start to become a spiritual person?
1: Uh, well, as human beings, we generally get our ass kicked into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that Let me see. I guess that would be in my early 20s. Um, I was uh, ill, right? So we always have, you know, most of us experience trauma or illness of some kind that forces us to make changes and look at things differently. Um, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome um, in my early 20s. And because of uh, you know, no, a couple of years of uh, no results in um, the medical field, we um, I, it forced me to look elsewhere and make changes in my life and seek out um, um, alternative therapies and give them a try and,
0: and so then you,
1: experience them and how they healed me.
0: So you have chronic, you had chronic fatigue syndrome, and conventional medicine wasn't doing anything for you. So you're looking out you're you're looking for some sort of relief and you started to become attracted to spiritual things because of that so conventional medicine failed and this was the bridge to spirituality for you
1: Complete truth yeah
0: And then what were some of the things early on that attracted you or inspired you during that time
1: Um I uh, experienced some uh, homeopathy and um, a naturopathic doctor and uh, yoga. Uh, yoga was a gentle way for me to reenter into my body and, and become more aware of uh, what was happening there and, and what my own needs were. Um, and um, and then become quite more aware of then what I was, uh, how I was living, what I was putting in my body. Uh, so all, all of it together. Um, created sort of this tapestry of um, uh, the beginning awareness and growth. Yeah, to make changes in my life, so I had to change my what I was doing as a profession. Um, I had to change, wrap my head around you know um, how what what's important in my life and where I'm going to put my energy um, and what energies I uh, allow uh, in into my life as well.
0: Um, so when so, you, when you went and got that, you know, you started to research these alternative forms of healing, when did you start to feel the calling that you wanted to do more than integrate what you were experiencing? You actually wanted to put that out there more as, as in a teaching sense.
1: Uh, well, that's easy. That was my, that was having my first baby. <laughs> um, So I was uh, still, I was in the corporate world still when um, I had my son when I was 30. And I, he he was a catalyst. I chose to uh, not work 12, 18 hour days and run the rat race and be, actually become a mother and uh, stay home with him. And so that's when I chose to train as a yoga teacher. That was the first Um, shift into teaching and diving more deeply.
0: So was it the birth experience itself or what was it about the birth of your son? Just caring for a new life or was it even more?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was the realization of caring for that new life and the responsibility that it brought and, and what I wanted in my heart to give him.
0: Right. You didn't want to sacrifice his childhood in the corporate work world. Knowing that you would be yes. required to be there pretty much twenty four seven on call, and you knew exactly. that it was a time for a I change, like that. and th- but the birth experience can be—I mean, as a as a male of this human species, I don't get to experience that. But my partner, you know, I have children, and um, I understand that it can be a very powerful psychedelic experience when you're giving birth. Was there something about the birth experience itself, like actually giving birth, that that changed you? <laughs>
1: that changes everyone
0: (laughs) (laughs) including the dads out there I I, you know but 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 what did you did it uh did it make you more spiritual that experience did it feel like you were tapping into something bigger
1: um absolutely it's um you know well obviously there's a heart opening there like no other um and uh and a connection like no other with another human being um and um Uh, and it also, well, I, there was, you know, a little bit of trauma involved with the birth, which also led me into, um, um, shifting. So then I started teaching prenatal yoga and couples, um, prenatal workshops to, um, share with them and helping to create a better birth experience. So that took me into a whole area of working with, people and changing the birth experience for people. So it definitely um, moved me into a deeper place with what I learned and what I shared after.
0: And were you already into yoga before you had your son because you had the chronic fatigue issue. So that was before you had your child, right?
1: Right. So I was just practicing yoga. And then when he was six months old, I, uh, I chose not to go back to work and take training, training, um, take the yoga teacher training and um, and that way I could choose my hours for when my husband was home and so one of us was always with him and so I was you uh, a lot less hours of working but still um, um, out there which is important too to connect with others sure. uh, and <laughs> get um, sort of uh, uh, lost in a world with a baby <laughs>
0: yeah it becomes its own little universe doesn't it yeah yeah it
1: becomes your whole universe so you do need um that balance of connection point with
0: others so two years into your yoga training it looks like uh you began to start shaman- sh- shamanistic training now what attracted you to shamanism and where did, when did that come into your life
1: Um, so I, uh, it's part of my, uh, nature, part of my, my mother's, um, background is French, Canadian, North American Indian. And it was something I grew up Catholic, uh, but, uh, moved away from that fairly quickly. Um, but was always seeking and searching and it was that nature-based, um, uh, uh, spirituality that drew me. Um, I was interested in it but didn't um, actually pursue it. And again, it was my, my son is my major catalyst. So my son, um, when he was two, uh, I knew I was, I was always a feeler. I was sensing that there was a presence in my house and my, but my son could definitely see it. And um, so then I, I sought help for clearing the presence that was in our house. Uh, and that's how I met the shaman that I ended up working with for five more years.
0: So wait a second, let's back this up a little bit. So you felt a presence in your house. Now, is th- this a house you're currently in in Ontario?
1: Yes, it is. And it was, um, a really old homestead and it was the original, um, farmer that was still in the house. So
0: you felt this ghost. I mean, l- let's just call it what it is. Yeah. You felt this ghost in your house. You found out later it's an old farmer and, and you're feeling what were some of the feelings that you felt when you were like that uh, caused your awareness to be, you know, in a place where you knew it was there?
1: Uh, well, my first sense is feel always. So uh-huh. it was just this, this sense of a presence and a little bit of unease. Um, and I kind of just, you know, blew it off until I saw the fear or reaction in my two year old when he was sensing it. Holy um, cow. Which was yeah. So it was kind of like he was a, let's say, a bachelor, older gentleman that was just wondering what we were doing in his house.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, what th- what what are you guys doing here? Like not realizing. Yeah. Now, just yeah. I, we don't want to go too much on a tangent, but I want to ask you as a spiritual person, like, what do you think a ghost is? Is it the residual energy of an ego that that didn't cross over? or wh- What do you think a ghost is?
1: Well, I actually do that work. Um, I I help souls cross um, uh, regularly. Let's say. <laughs> oh wow! It's it's a lot. It's a phenomenon that's. Way, it's a, there's so many lost souls out there. So basically, what that is a ghost um, is a soul that has not crossed. That did not shift into its next. Um, Journey back into where it belongs, wherever you might imagine that to be. So, is it like they uh, saw
0: and, the light and decided not to go? They're like, "Ah, oh, there's a light over there. I'm just going to stay right here."
1: Well, yeah, and the reason <laughs> the most like most often there's a few reasons why that happens. um First of all, there, there, there's uh, the first one's unfinished business.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: right? can't go because I'm because I've got this unfinished business. Um, the other is something traumatic like, uh, you know, like an accident or a quick death or a drug overdose or something that they just don't even realize that they are dead, like oh, they're, wow. that they've passed. Yeah.
0: So, so you're feeling this ghost in your house. You're wondering how to get rid of this. Who recommended a shaman as, as the method of getting rid of the spirit? Or how did you find oh, that out?
1: Uh, I, was trying to, I was just trying to remember that, actually. So the shaman had an office in the same building as my naturopath. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So I saw the sign on the door and went, huh.
0: That's I think amazing. I I need to go
1: talk to this person. Yeah.
0: And then what was their reaction? It's just like another day at work for them, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, sure. You're my two o'clock now. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah which is what i do now so right make, yeah so he so the shaman
0: comes and were they able to effectively remove the spirit and how did you determine it was the farmer
1: she did at the time i didn't have those skills at the time um she did and um and yes effectively removed and and when we say effectively removed it's 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 compassionate for everyone involved sometimes the spirit is sort of attached to a place like uh this case Sometimes a, a spirit attaches to a person um, or, or an object like, you know, an old rocking chair or something like that that they spend a lot of time in. Um, but, and always the intention is compassionate for the spirit. And so, because they're lost, they need to find their way back home. So um, that is the work in helping them return back to where now their soul can evolve.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's always really positive work and it, 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 it's healing. Yeah. It's always healing healing for the spirit uh, is feeling healing for the people that live in the home currently which is in this case you um but then i right. bet you were pretty impressed by this experience exactly and then you wanted to know more about shamanism
1: yep
0: so tell me more about that and then so you, you're interacting with this wonderful woman and what was her name
1: susan taylor
0: okay susan taylor so you're you're talking to susan taylor she sends the spirit back to where it needs to go And now you want to more know more about shamanism Is she teaching classes or how do you sync up with her?
1: Yeah. Yes. She was teaching classes and uh, I hopped right on that train. Okay.
0: (laughs) And uh, how long were those classes and what was her, what was the shamanic training training from her?
1: Um, So always the first, the first training in shamanism is introduction to journeying, which I'm actually teaching next week. Um, Well, the two, there's two parts next week and the week, week after to, for a whole class, okay, um, because that that is your ba- the, the the journeying process is the basis for absolutely everything in shamanism. Then it's just intention after that. So your very first foundation is learning how to to shamanic journey.
0: So shamanic journey, when I hear that, what I think of is projecting your consciousness into another dimension that pre- perhaps the astral dimension or the shamanic dimension, whatever that is in order to interact with the spirits and information there to try to heal people. Is that kind of correct or how could that be different?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty close. It's yeah. So definitely, you know, you can call it another dimension or, um, um, and in shamanism, Uh, we, uh, there's an understanding that there is, so we're in the middle world here. There's three, generally three, there's the upper world, the middle world and the lower world, um, which is not heaven and hell has no, 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 uh, likeness to that. It's just different realms and you find, um, different helper spirits in those realms. It's kind of a different energy. Obviously upper is more etheric and, and lower is more, uh, let's call it earthy. Okay. Uh, and, um, and so, and, and yeah, it's all about your intention to go. Um, and then that's the whole point because uh, of, of the shamanic journey is to teach you a safe way, uh, of, of journeying to somewhere specific for a specific person purpose. So your intention is incredibly important. So you don't get lost out there.
0: So you can, let's say you're learning shamanism. You're, you're learning the journeying. If you don't understand what you're doing, you could, short circuit yourself spiritually what does it mean to get lost i guess
1: um well you there's lots of dimensions and realms out there so you want to choose where you're going okay um and uh and also your intention is so key because and who you're meeting right so your intention is to meet um, with those that are helpful spirits because there are uh others out there. Um, so, and Would you then, say those so other three certain parts def- to a journey, where you're going, who you're meeting and what your intention is, which might be, uh, just to connect and, and ask for guidance. It might be to ask for healing for yourself or for others. Usually it starts with yourself. You want to, it's always yourself before you decide to share that out.
0: Right. So, cause you can't be an effective shaman unless you're healed yourself.
1: Yeah, but that's an ongoing process.
0: (laughs) It is. It never really ends, right? Isn't that the truth? That truly you're growing, evolving, and healing your entire life. And then hopefully you carry on some of that to your next life.
1: Absolutely. And I like how your, your gesture of upward, because that's how I look at it, is it's an ever upward spiral. Yes. Right. And, you know, sometimes you're like, haven't I seen this before? But, you know, another layer. And on upward we go again.
0: And yeah, I just absolutely. I just want to touch on something. You said there was spirits on both sides. Are some of those other spirits nefarious? Are they lower astral entities that mean us harm?
1: Uh, there's definitely tricksters or, or darker energies out there. Um and um I unless you've had training and working with them, you don't generally want and nobody really should be working with them. It would be just um managing a situation that that ended up being. So that's very, uh, that's work not many do. Um, and generally you, you don't, you don't, most people would never, uh, have to worry about that, but, um, uh, if you're going to put yourself out there into other realms, you need to be aware that that is a possibility and set clear intentions to that of what you're doing, and then you'll never have to worry about that.
0: Oh, that's good. So as long as your intentions are in the right place when you're in these other dimensions, these other realms, then you're yep. not really going to interact with anything lower that may harm you because your intentions already set. So the shield, you could say, is already in place.
1: Exactly. And the first thing you do is always meet with an ally. You never go anywhere alone in those realms, right? So you always have an ally that you love and trust and uh, will help protect you and guide you.
0: What do you mean by an ally? Is that like a person in the room with you or a spiritual ally?
1: No, a spiritual ally. And then so how, power animal. You, you, power animal guide.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you usually connect with that, your ally, right away when you start your journeying? Absolutely. Okay. And how do you know that an ally comes to you? You'll just know, right? You see the animal, you see the being. It's all intuitive knowledge, you think?
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely intuitive. Um, uh, Everyone works with different senses. Uh, so it might be more of a presence and feeling it depends on so uh everybody has a different way of uh, perceiving or sensing energy so sometimes it's more of a feeling and um sense sometimes you know it's all your senses so visual of course everybody we're in such a visual society now everybody wants to see it like a movie yeah Um, and some do but but, uh but not everyone and so that's uh that's actually a key kind of um tripping point for some people that aren't visual is to learn to just open to the other senses, use that felt sense, use that knowing. The knowing is the hardest to, uh, trust because we just think it's one of our, another thought but, um, but uh, a very wise woman, actually the herbalist that I work with once told me that 80% of, uh, the incoming that we receive is actually not just our thoughts, uh, but, uh, but guidance and, um, wisdom and help. So It's not. uh, It's but it can. It can be hard to discern and trust that until you uh, see the results. So often that you just you know can turn that part of your brain off and carry on.
0: Yeah, and then once you once you kind of develop the, uh, uh, I guess you could say the skill of acknowledging your own intuition, then it becomes normal. You can differentiate between what's your intuition, what's coming from the divine, and what's just chatter of the mind.
1: Exactly. And that's all discernment and discernment is key in um, actually all of the work that I do. So the first thing you do is uh, if you if you're sensing an ally is to ask them if they're here to help you um, and they have to answer. That's the universal law. So are you here to help me? Or Are you right? So you, you make that connection. You get that uh, sort of um uh, nod in some way that they're here to help you, and and then you interact. So and you're always in charge. So you if you don't feel if there's if there's a niggly feeling and you're thinking mm, I'm not sure if this is an ally, you can just say I uh, choose. Just like if you were taking a walk and choose not to speak to somebody you, you saw, you you have complete control.
0: Okay, so you actually do have a lot of personal power in these other realms, seemingly created by the divine because like you said it was these things act by a universal law so if they're acting by law then that means the law had to come from somewhere that 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 uh, design had to come from somewhere which is so fascinating because it it really opens up the fact that there's so much more to our existence than the three-dimensional linear life that most people lead
1: Exactly, and I and I liked um, I really that resonated with uh, a res- coming into your own power because really I mean that, ultimately that's what you're doing is the more you interact and the more you learn that and the more you trust and the more you realize how much power you actually do have in a somewhat seemingly powerless society or outward um, reflection of that around
0: us. And I think it's okay um, to use so, that personal power because I think a lot of our society, especially mainstream religion kind of tells you to not use your personal power. And if you start to sense or feel those things that you should instantly turn them off and, and go pray in the closet or whatever, you know, it, in order yeah. to stop that. But, um, it's, the, exactly. but it's not in the, but the truest sense that would seem like would be to develop those things because there are, creator given talents. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I completely agree with that. In fact, (laughs) pretty much, pretty much uh, my goal is to, to, to share that with people because um, it's so important. It's just, uh, we, we have tremendous power and yes, the institutions that we, that tend to surround us uh, tend to take power away from us. Um, So, we do have so much power. We have the ability to, to receive our own guidance. We don't need anyone else to do that for us. And as soon as you do that, then you're giving away your own power. Not that it's not, I mean, it's, it's good to have um, uh, someone to hold your hand every once in a while, but ultimately, ultimately it's uh, coming into your own power where it's at.
0: Right. Mentors are good too. I've had mentors in my life that have taught me things and then I've incorporated those things and, and moved on. And so it's good to have mentors. But sometimes you don't want to just – you want to take control of yourself. You want to take personal responsibility for all your actions. And then also that includes your own healing and spiritual development. And then once you kind of dial that in, man, is it an amazing experience. But I want to talk more about your your shamanistic training. So you're studying under your – and her name was Susan, right? Did I get that right? Okay. and then But then at some point you get introduced to Nikki Scully – and her uh, methodology. When did that happen? Uh, around 2010, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had been um, you know, learning all, at, at that point I had taken all of the courses with the shaman that I was working with um, and um, it just didn't feel complete. It didn't feel um, a form that was easily acceptable by most people, that, pe- that it could reach most people. Um, And I just felt like there was this missing piece. So uh, when I, I, it was the book, I found Nikki Scully's book, Alchemical Healing. Um, And when I read it, um, it had, it's, it's, I would, I got so charged and excited because it was all the, all the elements that I had been uh, working with in various ways was, was all brought together in an, in a way that you could still use all of your teachings. Um, But through the vehicle of Alchemical Healing, it was just incredible. Um, so then I waited for an opportunity to do some training with her. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, so probably about two years, I think I, I had the book and wanted to do the training for about two years and, and then, uh, I finally did and it uh, just changed my world.
0: So is, describe, uh, some of Nikki's training and what makes it unique and special. Um, wow.
1: That's a big
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best you can if that, yeah. <laughs> because it seemed to really attract you you got the book and you like yeah. you said you were hot for the book and you and it felt very right. resonant with your spirit and where you were at so what was it that was that really touched you there
1: um i guess the fact that it had um First of all, because I mean, I, all of my senses are involved now, but uh, I was still developing them at the time, and uh, I got really excited when Nikki said she doesn't see and that she could feel, and I thought, oh, oh, I can, I can do this, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and um, and, uh, and also the fact that it's 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 so um, it's more of an art form. It's, it's not a do this, do that. Like a lot of the other training in shamanism and Reiki and quantum touch, it was do this specific thing, put your hands in these positions and there's, a, and, um, you know, that's that. And that it's just this um, uh, small package, I'm going to call it. And then uh, with Nikki's uh, training, specific, specifically the alchemical healing, there's just four rules and four principles that set such a solid and safe foundation that from there the possibilities are infinite. Um, and, and it's the possibilities. Uh, so there's core possibilities in there of um, extraction in shamanism, which means if an energy has to be removed,
0: Uh-oh.
1: transformed in some way, whether that be old trauma or emotion, or, uh, past life experiences, or who knows what um, you never know till it's, it shows up. Uh, then there's various ways to, um, we work with the elements and, um, um, safely. Uh, I guess that that's another key piece is safely transmitting energy. If we're going to be working with energy, we need to be responsible for what we're doing. Um, so if there is a removal of energy, there needs to be um, a place for it to go. So it either needs to be transformed in some way with an element, go into the light or um, sent into the earth. You don't just leave it sitting around for the next person to walk by and uh, get slimed, so to speak.
0: <laughs> and that's possible. <laughs> so if you're doing these healing techniques and you remove this energy, the energy doesn't die. I mean, even science tells you that. So you remove the energy. Exactly. It's it's there waiting for the next receiver. Exactly. And then so then how would you transmute that energy in a normal sense? Let's say you remove something that's destructive, but you don't want it to survive. How do you transmute it into something beneficial or different?
1: With love. With love. Everything is love.
0: So you, you, yeah. you charge so, this energy um, with love and it rewrites it?
1: Absolutely. Well, yes. Yeah. So with the, it's, it's like when we were talking about um, sending the, you know, a ghost or an, uh, a lost soul. It's always done with love and to where it belongs. It's just energy. So what it needs is a place to go so that it can be useful again in another way. So when we offer it to the earth, we're offering it as um, like an offering to the earth with a prayer for its transformation into its highest potential. And then the earth can just use it for itself.
0: Okay. So then it, it has a place, but it's no yes. longer destructive. Exactly. So I know that there's an Egyptian component to Nikki's teachings and I know that Egypt is a big part of that. Is the Egyptian part equally as important to you?
1: Yes. It's become that way. Um, uh, since alchemical healing and have developed a strong uh, relationship with the Egyptian pantheon and, uh, and the Egyptian mysteries, um, I worked with my the spirit allies before then that was um, that I through the shamanic work that I had did had done and it's actually kind of funny because um, I mean really when we're working with spirit allies a lot of times what we're doing is working with archetypal energies right so you the let's call it the mother the mother energy you might see as Mother Mary you might see her as Isis you might see her as Kuan Yin or you know everybody will experience it in in the form that they can relate to. Um, and uh, when I first went to Oregon to work with uh, Nikki, I was kind of on the plane thinking, well, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know any Egyptian Egyptian allies. I'm just going to use my own and pretend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's Egyptian. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And so the main, is, yeah, exactly. And then the, the main ally that's uh, of, or um, founder, uh, spirit ally of the, of the alchemical healing work is uh, Thoth. Uh, who is uh, an Egyptian um, uh, wonderful being. And he, so he brought that work in. And um, when I met him the first time, uh, the, in the first moments of Nikki's teaching, um, he I, I, he showed up as one of my main allies in a different form. And then he just kept warping back and forth uh, to uh, the, the one I'm familiar with, and the Egyptian form and basically laughed at me and said, I'm the same thing. silly.
0: So let's just do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I already knew what you were planning. So yeah. we've got this worked out. Yeah. So you have you been to Egypt? Because I know Nikki used to uh, lead kind of like uh, tours and, and, you know, show show people's sacred spots and things like that. Did you go on one of those excursions?
1: I did. Unfortunately, not with Nikki, but um, Indigo, um, uh, who is another, who's a colleague um, in uh, in this work is, uh, she took over for Nikki in the, in the, um, in the Egypt, Egypt tours. Uh, of course, they're not, we're going right now. Right. Uh, with what's going on in the world. Uh, but I went, so I did go with, with Indigo. And again, another life-changing experience. Uh, Egypt is just. Such an ancient place with, and there's so much tremendous um, history and, and energy there that uh, e- anyone that would go there would e- it just oozes out of the monuments and. E- e-
0: yeah, I was going to ask as a sensitive person, as an energy sensitive person, did it just feel like the whole place was crackling, vibrating with history and spiritual energy? Because it's one of my you know, life goals is to get there. And, and I imagine for me that that's what it would feel like because I love it so much and have all the understanding. So it's like when you're there, it must yeah. feel like super powerful.
1: It is super powerful, super, super powerful. And um, well, in the sacred sites, of course, the cities and, you know, uh, that's a whole nother experience sure. <laughs> of just the regular everyday life uh, there, which actually is eye opening and um, a good experience as well. But uh, but the, in the sacred sites themselves, yeah, it's just a tremendously um, amazing experience that everyone will receive at whatever their um, you know, wherever they're at and whatever their needs are. Um, but it also, I would have to say, you know, uh, like Indigo does such a tremendous job at, at, um, and Nikki did too, at, um, at guiding you through the, uh, being present to receive that when you're there. Uh, so that bit of held space and information, um, when you're there makes that experience all more, um, beautiful and, and, uh, poignant. Yeah. I'm so sure having I somebody
0: would- there to translate in a way. For you yeah. is yeah. is incredibly yeah. beneficial. Yeah. So you're now um, teaching what Nikki Scully taught you as of 2014. Yes. And it's just yeah. So what is the, your school called, or do, is it referred by Shamanic Journeys? How does that work?
1: Yeah, you know what? That's a, that's a good question. I've been just thinking about. Uh, <laughs> Um, naming because uh, my first, uh, of course, uh, te- what I taught first was yoga. So, uh, so right now my, my business is called Serenity Nail Yoga, but it in no way uh, translates into what who, who I am and what I do now. So I've been sort of welcoming that new name that um, encompasses all of that but had not come to me yet.
0: <laughs> well, we've ha- we had a guest on a few episodes ago, Tyler Panor. He has the School of Living Astrology. He teaches a nature-based alchemical version of astrology that he pretty much intuited, but his school is all online and you should really check it out as a, as a template because he also is friends with another person who has the school of evolutionary herbalism. So what people are doing is they're creating these curriculums and breaking them them up in webinar like web videos, and then, you know, charging people tuition and doing it that way. And, And that's the structure that they're using to get their information out there. I think it'd be really beneficial for you. I'm ready.
1: Absolutely. Um, and we're doing that within the academy right now, the, the Alchemical Healing Academy. Okay. Uh, so there's a, a core group of us that are um, now t- doing that exact thing is, is uh, teaching the um, Alchemical Healing courses um, online in that way. Um, I actually am still teaching in studio as well. So I'm doing a hybrid right now. I'm okay. teaching both in person, um, with, uh, you know, in, in with the restrictions that are in place in the moment. Um, and then I'm also, uh, teaching everything online as well. So my yoga classes are both, they can come to the studio and online. The shamanic journey that I'm about to teach is both. You can come or you can uh, hook up online. Um, the, uh, I'm teaching the shama- shamanic uh, mysteries of Egypt in January online. And, oh. um, uh, my colleagues Indigo and Debbie are teaching the Sekhmet um, transformation of the be- in the belly of the goddess in the new year as well online. So, yeah, we're definitely all headed that way.
0: So, look, I got to ask you this question because this comes up so much in occult, esoteric circles when you start talking about Egyptian, uh, you know, the Egyptian situation with the deities and stuff is the name Aleister Crowley always pops up. You know, he somehow put himself into the common understanding of of Egyptian religions. Like, what is your opinion on Aleister Crowley and his role in in, in getting that information out there? Hmm. Because some people, it really, Uh, it's like some people are like totally against him. And some people think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's really, <laughs> it really just depends on people's perspective. I just, and I I just really don't know that for me, the jury's still out because of all the research that I've done. I've seen positive things. I've seen negative things. I just don't know, but I know that his whole experience, his religion that he created is all based on his journeying to Egypt and what he experienced in the temple or excuse me, the pyramid and, and that. Mm-hmm. So what is your opinion on that?
1: Um, I, I, Hmm. I um, my opinion, I guess, on that would be that I think everyone should have that experience and then um, share in a way that allows people to have their own experience um, and um, with enough foundational knowledge that gives you that um, opportunity, uh, but not. Um, manipulate others experience so to speak Ah. right so you stay you stay in that middle ground where you receive the um over overlying teachings share those and in a way that allows others to actually have their own experience and receive their uh whatever it is that they're needing out of it
0: because you know he feels like he got his information from toth directly through a spirit called Awas. i mean do you feel like it's valid do you feel like it's valid for him maybe or what do you think about that
1: Oh, it's totally valid to receive information. I uh, hang it with thought a lot,
0: <laughs> right? So, Which is why I brought right? it up. Like,
1: yeah, right. Um, uh, and he, so he, he's the main guide in the work in the alchemical healing work uh, that I do, and he, and he shows up in many other. Um, Forms through other people as well, and he's got a big job to do. So um, the teachings he's, he's sharing teachings through through many people, and I oh, my my I guess my take on it is for everybody, including in my own classes. I pretty much tell everybody, you know, just just be open to receiving whatever it is that seems like truth to you, and just let go of the rest, right? So there's there's golden nuggets uh, in every every teaching that uh, people can receive, and then you just let the other stuff go.
0: So. Why is it that Egypt is so powerful? What, like, they were a civilization. They tapped into deeply spiritual things thousands of years ago, but they weren't the first civilization. There were civilizations before that. But it seems like spiritual people, uh, metaphysical people, occult people, they love Egypt. They're deeply attracted to Egypt. And I'm guilty of that myself. I'm deeply attracted to Egypt. And I just... What what do you think it is about that culture, about what they learned that that makes Egypt so powerful? Ooh,
1: um, well, I think those are the mysteries that we're all trying to solve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I what I have noticed, Nick, is that uh, you know the people that are deeply spiritual, love, compassionate, understanding. They're super into divinity. They s- sync up with a lot of the Egyptian magic and the Egyptian mysteries. Yeah. And then on the flip side, the people that are into dark spirituality, they're into potentially things like human sacrifice. They're, they're into very dark things. They are also <laughs> attracted to Egypt and use Egyptian s- symbolism and and things like that. Why is that? I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I just don't uh-huh. understand because it attracts well, both sides of the spiritual spectrum. Right.
1: Well, I can tell you this, but um, when any, when attention is given to anything, it grows in power. Okay. Right. So, so, you know, for thousands and thousands of years, I mean, originally there was a, obviously an incredible power in Egypt. And then since then attention has been given to it, right? Um, no matter You know what perspective it's coming from it's still attention that feeds it so to speak and it becomes stronger and stronger and more available for others to tap into so it becomes this sort of superpower um that uh is accessible if you choose to
0: so, it's just, know. we're just kind of like putting the energy in the psychic energy, the spiritual energy on both sides of the spiritual spectrum. And then both sides mm-hmm. are then drawing from it because it's starting to become this bigger battery, this bigger reservoir. Just because we're humans yeah. and we're putting the energy in. That's so funny. Yeah. We're such strange yeah. animals, aren't we? The human. We're so beautiful. Yeah. We're so powerful. We have so much potential. But at the same time, we're also so strange.
1: I totally agree. <laughs> And you know I mean that that in itself is what do you give attention to right so and wh- whatever you give your attention to is what you're feeding and what you're creating
0: right that's really interesting you know it seems like uh it seems like there's a, really a struggle right now for the collective consciousness to be controlled by certain factions it just seems like it's a global thing where the, where different factions are pulling on the collective consciousness of humanity to shape reality and make it yeah. a certain way. It's a really interesting time we're living in.
1: It is. I feel like we're on the cusp of the shift out of that. Yes. So right now there's this, so we're, we're, we're right now there's this, uh, intensity building of the, of that energy, like clawing and holding on for its dear life. Cause it doesn't want to give up, um, the control. And, but there's so many others, um, uh, I just had an advanced alchemical healing class uh, two weekends ago and we just uh, we we did this uh, um, uh, collective healing uh, that was so incredibly powerful and there's so many people doing that too so again, what are you feeding so we're feeding the the energy that will help to balance and 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 um, hopefully eventually tip the scales right into yes. into where we want to go. In, in and as a, as a society that honors and respects and, love and um, every, everything on this
0: planet. Yeah, I often tell our listeners, and we talk about this a lot on this show, is that I personally believe that we're moving towards a heaven on earth scenario, a, a conflict free world where we're all united and living together with the spirituality, with all the high technology and the cool stuff that we love. But without the conflict, like I said, I've been telling people it's been coming forever. I feel it coming. And all of this seems like the birthing of that.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's pains of childbirth, of childbirth. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to
0: like you were saying, it's the most beautiful experience, but it was also painful, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And we have so much potential as humans. The shamanic journeying that you do shows us or shows you and has shown you that we have so much potential why Why is humanity stifled? Why does there seem to be forces at play that are stifling humanity's evolution? Is it really just the old uh, world refusing to die or is it something bigger?
1: Fear and greed, I would say.
0: Fear and greed.
1: Fear, Fear of loss of control. So there's control and greed, yeah.
0: And I've noticed that a lot of these people that want the control, they never really integrate the divine experience into their life. So it's like they're, they're trying to paint a picture without all the information. And they think they have the complete image when in fact they're missing the most important part. Exactly. So how do we reconnect with that? What are, your some, what are some of the advice or techniques that you would recommend to reconnect with the greater spirit of the world?
1: well one of the um easiest and most profound um teachings through nikki and the alchemical healing is something i just a very uh, uh a small or short well it's called small because it's endless but they uh, it's called the heart breath um and it's a way to come into because it's i mean ultimately it's that it's the vibration of love that's going to change everything right love and compassion Love and compassion and so it starts. The heart breath starts with coming into your own heart, and then it tap. Then you consciously tap into above and below, and uh, draw those energies within the heart, uh, and then uh, experience that uh, both receiving those energies and then the union of that, those energies. And so, first, it always starts with ourselves, right? Create create that uh, center, and and then you can share it. Out. So then you can continue doing the heart breath. So it's really that's so I work with that a lot um, with taking groups through. Um, you know intentionally sending love and healing and whatever's needed to a situation with just the, with the heart breath alone because then once you come into that place for yourself then um, as you as you continue working with the heart breath you continue drawing in from above and below and then send through the heart to a situation or a person or whatever it is you're called to send to uh, and uh, you can't go wrong that's not manipulation right it's just all love and healing so and and and, it, and it's and it's so powerful it ripples out and changes even if we're not aware of what those changes are
0: so how many students so you have a class that you're te- or school that the alchemical healing academy that you're a part of is that correct yeah and yes. then you're teaching classes so you know somebody is interested in your classes like how do the how do they find you just for that to learn from you oh, in that okay. sense
1: yeah. So, uh, usually, so, uh, my website is serenitynowyoga.ca and all of, uh, what I offer is there. I'd like to say I keep up with my Facebook page, but I'm not so good at that. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> and, uh, so my, we- my website is the best way to go there. Uh, Nikki's uh, website, shamanicjourneys.com, um, also has, uh, a, um, listed the upcoming, uh, uh, teachings through those that are in the academy. So that would be a good place to go if you're looking for not just mine, but the, all, of, all of what the academy is um, offering at any given time.
0: Amazing. Well, that's really good to know, because I know that people are going to be interested. They're going to want to know more, and we'll touch on it again at the end of the podcast. One thing I want to ask you about is, you know, we love to talk about on this podcast. We love to talk about extraterrestrials. We love to talk about aliens. And of course, the alien experience is supposedly a huge part of the Egyptian experience. I know that a lot of the pharaohs believe that their blood bloodlines and their DNA may have had extraterrestrial DNA or the DNA of the gods, as they said. What's your take on that? Do you think that there's an extraterrestrial component to the Egyptian experience?
1: Um, I'm not sure that I would call it extraterrestrial. I would, um, I guess, let me think, let me welcome the right um, sort of title um, uh, I, the origin well I guess you could call it extraterrestrial because it, but it, to me it's it's more like star nation so um, uh, just a, a, a nation uh, from beyond that uh, that um, definitely that's there's the that, they're, they're always trying to help us. I mean, it would be ridiculous to think that we're the only ones in the
0: universe. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's insanity. That's caveman talk. We're, we're not cavemen right, anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> so uh, you're thinking it's more of an right. extra-dimensional thing where these spirits, these yeah. beings are actually coming from another dimension and and may have influenced the early civilization of Egypt.
1: Yeah, and still
0: are. <laughs> and do you, do you think, though, that they took a physical form and maybe— somehow had some of their DNA get in the mix of the Egyptian DNA?
1: Well, there's many, many um, writings and uh, teachings out there that, that, that in some way is true, so um, I don't discount it, and there seems to be a truth to it to me in some way, so, um, you know, can't prove it. Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: but- and then there's another theory, of course, that that Toth is the rep- same representation as Hermes Trismegistus, these uh, teachers, these ancient teachers of different cultures all around the world, but really that those people were an extension of potential Atlantean culture that had fallen. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's more realistic for you? is Is there an Atlantean component to the Egyptian story?
1: There absolutely is. Okay, so that, let's that, let's hear
0: more about that. what do you, what can you tell us about that?
1: Um, uh, well, I guess it's through my own interactions. Well, from some of my reading, there's The the Flower of Life by Drunvalo. He's got uh, a lot of really interesting information on uh, exactly what we've been talking about here. Um, So kind of opened my eyes to it in the beginning. And he he works with Thoth too. It was through Thoth that that he uh, channeled the information in in those books. Um, and, uh, And then just that opening of the door... Then, you know, uh, led me to have shamanic experiences, uh, both uh, in Atlantis and the recognition of the sort of origins um, of Thoth and how it's, there's definitely an evolution and a, and a um, connection point uh, from there uh, upward for sure.
0: So were they, the Atlanteans, were they physical beings or were they half physical, half ethereal? Where, what was Atlantis?
1: Well, exactly what we're talking about is uh, is they they were a hybrid. They were a hybrid of uh, star nations, or ah. um, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So then, at, from Atlantis, they then sent emissaries out, who then started cultures around the world. I mean, there's there's a yes. common thread of this information of these mythical, mysterious people showing up and teaching them everything: math, agriculture. Religion, you know the whole the whole shebang of the human experience, and and then they just disappear. But there's this common thread, and it could be potentially the same person or the last emissaries of Atlantis. I don't know if you've ever heard of Manly P. Hall, but Manly P. Hall he's a uh, he's incredible lecturer, incredible teacher, very well renowned. He died in 1990. One of the greatest teachers ever of all time. He has incredible lectures on YouTube. He did a lecture on Atlantis, and from his perspective, the emiss- he says the emissaries went out, and then while they were gone, Atlantis fell. And, the, and, and it wasn't Atlantis itself, but it was the last vestiges of a previous way bigger civilization, but they were still calling themselves Atlantis. Do You think that that could be possible as well?
1: There are many possibilities. Right. There, um, um, absolutely. To so, and there's definitely truth to that. And the emissaries going out. Uh-huh. Um, and and so and of course, if they're out, at some point, Atlantis fell. So they were, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were already out and about. Thank goodness. So we didn't uh, lose all of that. So
0: yeah, I'm just yeah. thankful. All the information's there. I mean. It really is. I mean, when you talk about the Akashic records and you just talk about how we were speaking about earlier, how energy just doesn't die. This information, all actions are stored somewhere. All the information's out there somewhere. And you can tap into it through various techniques. Now, is that something that you teach, how to tap into the Akashic records or how to tap into the universal knowledge storage base?
1: Absolutely. And actually, it's part of uh, many of the shamanic mystery teachings. Um, that are uh, actually, there's a, there's a, we touch on that in alchemical healing. Um, but then the, um, uh, in the sec network and the shamanic mysteries of Egypt, there's specific journeys that take you uh, to that experience. Um, so absolutely.
0: Oh, wow. So the shamanic mysteries just kind of defines the various things that you're trying to learn and, and just some of the inner energies and archetypes you've interacted with but the journeying is actually the techniques and the the method of getting to the mysteries is that correct
1: uh yeah so the shamanic mysteries of egypt is a there's two rounds of basically um an alchemical process it takes you through um uh renewing your heart and so and 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 each journey has uh so there's uh, i don't know 10 10 11 journeys in each um and it takes you through a series that are that um, build on each other. And through it, uh, it's actually quite a. If you're looking for uh, to build a relationship with some of the allies and understand um, their natures, uh, the shamanic mysteries of Egypt is perfect because each each journey sort of focuses on um, one of the Egyptian pantheon, who they are, what they offer, how they can help you, and then takes you on a journey to meet them, and they help you through an experience. Uh, and then each experience builds on each other and, you, and it accumulates until you reach that alchemical gold at the end of the process.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Wow, this is so fascinating. I just uh, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. It's been so amazing. We got plenty of time left. So there's so much more we want to talk about. Um, what are some of the things you personally, as a spiritual person, as a teacher, what are some of the things that you feel like people should know right now? to, to get us to the heaven on earth world that we're talking about? What are some of the things that people need to integrate?
1: Ooh, um, I think people just, the first thing is coming into your own power in some way, finding those tools that suit you in a way to, to coming into that own power where it's shamanic journeying or, um, or, or physical exercise like yoga or, uh, tai chi or qigong or, um, uh, that bring you into an energetic sense and, 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 and actually time in nature, time in nature. If you pause and just be in nature, there's so much there to, um, that teaches you, we're just usually walking too fast and thinking about other things and, um, not pausing and actually being, cause we are a part of nature. Right. It's who we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. very, very <laughs> so basic. We, you would think, but.
1: Yeah. Well, we're, we're so many of us are removed from nature Uh, but so I live in nature. I live in a rural setting. I live close to nature and that's part of what uh, keeps me grounded um, in the work, right? So, I mean, you can go way out there and do all kinds of things, but you got to walk in this world too. So you got to keep a foot in both worlds, you know, and nature does that for you.
0: Yes. That's a very good point. You do have to keep your foot in both worlds because that's the true multi-dimensional perspective. Cause people always talk about what it means to be a multidimensional human or live a multidimensional life. It's not this etheric like, oh, like, wow, I'm this multidimensional person. No, it's you're taking information from all these different levels and you're incorporating that into your being. And then using that perspective to choose how you treat other people or choose how you react to a certain situation. So, so important to get in contact with nature. You know, I mentioned the school of living astrology earlier. That is how Tyler Penor he, intuited his version of astrology is he went out in nature, deep nature, and meditated, and it all came to him through that way. It's a very successful school and perspective. So connecting with nature, how do you think, what what's a very basic way for people to connect with divinity that you could help people understand? Because some people think it's so ethereal, it's so hard to connect with you know, whatever, some people call it God or the creator, what a job, if you're Ross, Farn- whatever it is for mm-hmm. you, you know, it's hard. People kind of don't know how to connect with that in a, in a, in an yeah. authentic way. How do we help people?
1: Actually, I, it, again, I would say the heart breath because it's the such a, um, it's it's a so it, it because we are tapping into that energy we're tapping into the universal energy bringing it within our hearts and experiencing it and it's a way that you know you don't have to give it a name you don't have to give it a face uh, and and it's it's a way to actually experience it for yourself and just the the heart breath itself continues to grow with you and change with you and take you farther and deeper and stronger into who you are and and and, and that sense of knowing that you're more than just this physical body that you have a connection and are a soul that's greater um, and has a connection into um, into the greater how, whatever name you would like to
0: call that. Right, the heart breath, the bigger, the source, source, the source. Every, yeah. you know that's a good one sure. because it just kind of strips away any religious connotations. It's just source, exactly. source of all life, exactly. and it's love. Actually, I think we can say it's love, right? Can we? You know, I don't. Absolutely. I don't like to go far too far out on the limb when describing the divine experience, but I will say love is okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And that's why it's uh, another reason why the heart breath is so effective because it is, it, it, it that's at the core of it is, is bringing it into your heart. So having that experience at whatever level you're at is, uh, is, um, uh, is key. And it's a tool that you can use multiple times a day, stay grounded, um, and, uh, and have it grow with you and use it for so many different uh Applications
0: once
1: you uh, develop it, that that ability, so or really allow
0: it. Yeah, so you're in contact with these beings. You're feeling these presences. You're getting information from outside. So I have to ask you because I know this is on the tip of so many people's minds right now. What what is the information that you're getting telling you about the immediate future? What what are does it feel like? there's something really positive coming soon. What What are the next five years look like? Five to 10 maybe. Yeah, yeah completely
1: something positive coming. There's like this, there, you know, there's that, there's that res- So right now we're in this, you can feel that resistance, that resistance to, to, to what's happening. But underneath it, there's just this almost excitement and anticipation of what's rising. Um, and uh, so absolutely there's, it's, it's, it, we're, we're headed somewhere. Great. And, and And what all we need is enough people to hold that vibration of love right that's what that's going to be that's the tipping point so the more people do the heart breath, the more people engage in uh, spiritual practices that give them that um, experience of divine or source um, uh, just creates this uh, this collective energy that balances and eventually will uh, become the norm
0: so you you believe in the hundredth monkey phenomenon that if enough people raise their vibration if enough people push that love energy into the quantum field that will pull everybody else up into our resonant frequency and they'll all be there with us you believe that oh
1: yeah
0: okay good (laughs) some people don't some people have this very pessimistic i'm an optimist i'm a libra i'm always an optimist but some people have the pessimistic outlook that you know some people are beyond repair they're beyond hope I don't believe that at all. I I believe that there's a forgiveness. That's a universal law that will correct these kind of imbalances of how certain people live their lives. But some people will believe, believe that they're just, they're just beyond help. And if we raise our vibration that some of those people won't be included, but I, I, I don't think that that's the case.
1: No. So I don't, I don't think so either. Um, in fact i mean whenever we do any kind of you know um group uh, work for any kind of collective healing the if there's an energy of resistance we turn to it with love we offer because what that resistance or the other energy is its basis underlying basis is is some kind of wounding right some kind of um trauma that put them in the position of being in that where they are at and what they're projecting and how they're living.
0: Right. right? Something so happened. They, yeah. They weren't born so, that um, way. Well. What
1: they need is, yes, yeah, so they need support. They need love. They need, they need a help a safe space, not and forgiveness. Absolutely. Forgiveness is such a huge um, part of healing and for all of us.
0: You, you know, it's hard because yeah. when you think about people that have experienced you know, the horrific aspects of this life, like murder and things like that. It's very hard for them to be like, how do you forgive the murderer? But when you have the love and the compassion and the understanding to know that you don't know what happened to that person's life between them being a baby and them committing the crime that led them to have that life. You're just remembering that, that little baby that came out that was almost like the Christ consciousness, like just this beautiful, pure living being and that's who you're kind of looking at when you're when you're doing your forgiveness.
1: I, that's exactly what I teach. Exactly. So you know, just take the face off, see them in their light body, that Christ consciousness, uh, and then uh, have that interaction of forgiveness. Because ultimately, forgiveness is about releasing us from trauma and pain. It actually has nothing to do with the other person. Um, uh, the other person still has their karma, like they still have to work through their stuff, right? They carry their own chains and, sure. and they, uh, right? So it doesn't exonerate anything, right? It did, but what it does is heal us from the trauma. It releases us from those chains.
0: That's interesting because most people don't realize that. They think they're you're kind of releasing the other person from your judgment when in fact you're, you're opening your heart and you're releasing what you were holding the entire time. And it's because you're the one right? holding because-
1: it. Yeah, some acts are absolutely unacceptable and that doesn't mean they were, they were it was okay for it to happen, uh, but it's that knowing that that person didn't know any better in the background that brought them to that. It's just that that understanding and compassion that they, they just are in a level of consciousness that they could do any better at the moment. Um, and, and again, it's not about making it okay. It's about releasing you from it and inviting them to be a better person so that it never happens to anyone else again.
0: Yeah, and that's how we heal as a species that's how we unite yeah. and get this wonderful earth that we want to happen this wonderful collective place you know where we're out there spreading love and light throughout the universe in order to get there we got to shake off all the old stuff and we have to be able to forgive but it's hard you know we're, we're humans in a certain level of development i mean sometimes i like to joke around and say we're halfway between caveman and star trek you know, we're like kind of right in the middle part, but I, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit farther along. Where do you think we are? We're at in our evolutionary path.
1: Oh, <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it kind of feels that way. We have, you know, some of the yeah. tribalism, the primitive mindsets, yep. the but then at the same time we have the advanced technology. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and, and-
0: so are we farther Wait, along um, though? Do you, is it just kind of like maybe just a couple more turns around the corner, and we'll be that that wonderful species that we want to be so bad?
1: Well, I think uh, we're in the shakeup and breakup phase right now. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that that doesn't last too damn long. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. But we all have choices, and uh, right. So it's it, it's up to each individual. To, I mean we're they call it the great pause that's happening in our world right now. I didn't get much of a pause but what really what it's doing is asking people to have a look and make changes. Um, so it's up to every individual to then you know uh, become aware of uh, perhaps what's not working in their lives and choose to make changes that are not only better for themselves, for their families for their environment and everyone around them.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time for reflection. It's really what, it, yeah. if you look at it in a greater sense, it's a deep point of re- reflection of, of how we treat each other, our paradigms that we have in place, our consumption habits. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm horrified by cardboard boxes. Like when I see a pile of cardboard boxes, I, it makes me want to cry because I'm just like, that was like some trees, you know, some beautiful trees. And now it's just a pile of cardboard boxes. We haven't evolved past cardboard boxes yet. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. We got hey, a little you know, bit to go. Hey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but we, yeah, there's, th- there's many changes that need to happen out
0: there. That's for sure. Hey, well, I, I think what we have to be honest with ourselves because, you know, we, as humans, whether we like it or not, or where we like to consume things, you know, we like to purchase things. We like to have things that are nice, whether it's artwork or really nice crystal or whatever you're into, you know, we have to be honest that we do like those things, but change the way those things are made. Maybe we shouldn't use trees. Maybe we shouldn't use rare earth minerals. Maybe we'll get to the point where we can just program energy to be matter and then we can have whatever we want, but we have to get past that. And we also have to understand that anything's possible within the divine experience. Wouldn't you say that's correct?
1: Absolutely, and again, it starts at home, right? So I choose to buy, you know, go things without packaging and as much as possible, and right. So again, when we all start to make those decisions, it's it's together that we have power, right? It it starts at home with ourselves, but then that ripples out when more and more people are making those same choices. um, Then things just have to change. It's inevitable.
0: Right, and. Unless there's those nefarious forces that want to stifle it so bad, but it is eventually it's kind of like a, like a tidal wave. There's just nothing that's going to stop it because well, you have divinity on your side when you're doing good. When we're, we're in the spirit of evolution and growth, you have God on your side. So when you have God on your side, there's not really much that you can't accomplish.
1: Absolutely, completely agreed. And and when you're staying heart-centered in your connection with God and, and, um, and your intention on whatever it is that you're putting out there is for the highest good of everyone involved, then you're good to go.
0: Yeah, and that's what this podcast is about. We're about getting people like you on. You know These stellar guests that have so much cool things to say to people to, to get it out there for people so they can learn from it, so they can grow. That's, that's the entire intention of this thing. And because we really want that world that me and Nick are talking about, we know you want it too out there. We know you want that world where we're all together, there's no conflict, and, and we're just living in love. Can you imagine that when the earth is in love, like we're in love with each other, it's coming. It's right there. It's just a little bit off but we can correct it. And, and that's what we're trying to do. That's what Nick's trying to do with her school and everything that she's about. So, you know, oh. we've, we've got about uh, 15 minutes left. You know, usually at this time of the show, we try to give our guests a chance to say something closing, something that's uh, profound, something that you really want to get out to the world. So this is your chance. This is your your podium. You can say whatever you want. What are some of the things that you personally want to get out to people, all around mm-hmm. the world?
1: First of all, first of all, I want to thank you for for helping get put put this out to everyone. <laughs> it's, right? Because the more people we reach, then right, it's just I'm, I'm in a little little spot here and rural Ontario, Canada. So, <laughs> and I've been growing a community, but um, the more we grow, the greater the chances are of, uh, of that universal or the collective shift. Um, and I guess what I, um, in everything I do, it's just, um, it's always about empowering that for people within themselves, creating, giving the people tools. In fact, with chemical Healing, um, I have many people that take just level one, uh, just, just to learn that even become even introduced to that connection and awareness within themselves and their energy bodies and how to manage your own energy um, so many don't go past level one in you know, alchemical chemical healing um, nor do they need to because what they needed was their personal tools right so it's personal tools that um, I'm all about giving people I, don't, I I'm not wanting to carry on my back I want to teach you the tools that I can walk beside you and answer questions every once in a while and empower you to um, uh, be able to handle whatever it is that arises uh, in your life. I mean, sometimes we get hit by tsunamis and um, uh, and sometimes uh, our environment, like what's been happening with many people um, in the last year, um, is very difficult if you don't have tools. You don't have tools to manage your own emotions, if you don't have tools to manage the energy around you um, and not take it on. Um, so to speak. So many people are empathic and don't really realize that it's not their anxiety. It's the anxiety of everyone around you that you're sensing or it heightens uh, that. So uh, teaching discernment and boundaries and tools to manage um, what arises within you and around you are key. And that's pretty much um, why I've got a a few different um, things that I offer through the alchemical healing, through the shamanic work, um, through yoga and meditation. Uh, and in fact, I teach a, a, I sort of rotate through meditations and once a month, I do a forgiveness meditation because it's so important. Um, I do sound healing with crystal bowls once a month, um, because, uh, it's the vibration and sound is incredible. And, um, and that's sort of the entrainment that actually makes me think of the entrainment that we were talking about earlier. So it's that, um, you know, Uh, When enough people come together and create that, well, we know what happens. uh, Like, so like when there's a bunch of grandfather clocks in a room, and they're all ticking at different... Eventually, they're all going to start to entrain and and start to um, uh, unify and come into that same tick-tock. And that's what happens with energy and vibration, because everything at the basis of every single thing on this planet is a vibrating energy. So when we work with sound, harmonics, and energy, um, and invite that entrainment, then um, it's absolutely possible. I actually, um, that can be measured by science, so if you need to satisfy your science mind. Um, <laughs> you can put that underneath it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess I, I offer experiences for people to just come and receive what they need uh, to feel good and balanced. Um, I do personal healing sessions for people to walk, walk them through um, that's the other piece about chemical healing is um, that I don't find is uh, not in my experiences in any other healing modality is that the person stays. I, I stay in contact with the person um, throughout the entire experience because what's most important is for them to have their own experience. If I'm just you know seeing spirit eyes and watching things and noticing removal and and they're not involved in it at all at the end, I just say hey, all this cool stuff happened and they're kind of like okay. Right on. (laughs) But during the healing, if I say, okay, I'm sensing this, um, what are you sensing? Bring their attention to it. Invite them to sense it in whatever way that they can. um, And then also invite them to sense the the shift or the transformation or the removal or the receiving, whatever the case may be, their subconscious body um, absolutely receives that. They know it happened. They had the experience. Um, It empowers them. uh, then to be able to do that again for themselves uh, and then the physical changes. When we shift what's happening, energetic and the subconscious mind experiences something, the physical body um, responds and changes uh, to whatever that experience was.
0: So let's say a person is like not spiritual at all, but they're hearing this podcast and they're super attracted to what you're into. You don't really need any pre spiritual knowledge to to start shamanic training. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Zero. Yep.
0: So you can just go right in and and cold and, and you're interested and, and you're, but you're not really a spiritual person yet, but you want to learn. It doesn't matter where you're at. Shamanic training is there for you, especially the shamanic training that you offer.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one of the beauties about shamanism and shamanic training is that it is all encompassing and there's so many truths um, across the board. Like, I mean, it's, it's the, it is the oldest spirituality shamanism. Um, we can trace it back farther than anything else. And um, the fact that that longevity has lasted, and the fact that many cultures across the globe have the, uh, underlying similar practices, uh, which is the journey, whether you do it by drum or didgeridoo or song or trance or whatever, it's all about that journey. So there's this underlying truth um, that, and you will, re- uh, that is, um, it is both powerful um, and, um, brings, uh, the experiences that you need in any given moment. Um, and,
0: um, <sighs> it just kind of gives you, gives the person what they need at that time.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't matter where they're coming from, what their religious background or spirituality background is, because whatever allies, whatever help they're going to meet, is um, is going to uh, show up in a way that they can receive it. So it's it meets you where you're at.
0: So, uh, let's say some people are coming from a Christian background. Are some of their allies like saints or even Jesus? Hell yeah! Really?
1: Uh, I, yeah, I can tell you. Well, funny story is uh, so <laughs> uh, the first thing you do is meet. Um, let me just ask because there's a, there's a humility involved in shamanism, and you generally don't sort of brag about who your allies are um you do (laughs) not brag about it at all actually so i'm just gonna check in with that see if it's okay yeah okay so um the uh the um firstly the first thing you generally do is meet some your power animals or spirit spirit um animal uh and then the next thing you do is meet a spirit guide when you're first learning to journey and then um i i had grown up it grew up uh in Catholicism, and had let that go many years before that, and really wasn't practicing any other spiritualism when I first did shamanism. And then, so the very first uh, spirit guide that I met up with was Jesus, and I looked at him and was like, "Like, what the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> 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 it's like, You're not supposed to be here. I'm doing shamanic work.
0: <laughs> right. This is anti-Catholicism. This is right? the devil. This is supposed no. to be the devil's work, actually.
1: Yeah, but it was it was absolutely perfect because it, it helped me to open up to that Christ energy right. without all the dogma, right? Uh, so it was exactly what I needed at the time. Um, it helped open me up and, and release you know whatever was preventing me from from uh, um, being open to that that uh, that energy that is such powerful, and so That's, powerful. And beautiful. It's
0: a really funny story because your first ally kind of shows up and it's Jesus. And it's just kind of showing you that they're, the Jesus experience, the Christ consciousness, it's so much bigger than religion. It's so much yeah. bigger than we could possibly imagine. And the funny thing is that we can tie in is that, hey, people don't realize Jesus lived in Egypt between the ages of 18 and 33. He, not only was he the first hippie, but he was, a, in, he was actually in ancient Egypt, He was the first Egyptian hippie because you see these hippies now, and they wear the you know they got the cool Egyptian necklaces and the really cool like clothes motifs. But let me tell you who the first guy was that was in Egypt being a hippie and a Christian. His name was Jesus. He was there, so he tapped in. He tapped into some of those Egyptian mysteries that you're teaching. I think that's part of the Jesus story. I believe. I agree, and it's it's just so funny to think that what came out of it, not the Christianity of the first hundred years, but, the you know, the Catholicism and the, the mainstream Christianity that we see today really downplays the Egyptian experiences. I was like, Oh, that's just uh, satanic pantheism or whatever however they classify it. But in fact, it's the root of their own religion. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is so Ironic. crazy. Yeah. You can make Isn't a, it? you can make a freaking steel gate out of the amount of iron that's there. irony but uh, well I just want to say thank you okay so look here we go you can find Nick at serenitynowyoga.ca if you want to learn and take these courses to become a shaman and get the shamanic understanding look up the alchemical healing academy you'll find everything that she's about on serenitynowyoga.ca eventually things might change but that's where it is all right now so if you're interested worldwide, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, doesn't matter your time zone, if you're interested, go to that website, read everything and 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 sign up. Learn learn about this. Learn about this and and make it a part of you. Because this interview is 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 it's changing me. I just gained so much from this interview. I hope all of you out there listening gain something from this interview. And of course, we're going to have Nicole back In the future, she will come back and we'll do another interview. How do you feel about that, Nicole? Can we have you back?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you
0: so much. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to play the outro music and then hold on online, and we're going to keep you on and we'll talk a little bit afterward. We'll see you next episode, everybody. This is Midnight on Earth. Have a great day.